0: The presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. Lately, teachers from all over have been working together to find new approaches to provide quality remote education. Participate's sister company, Participate Learning, presents United We Teach, a global gathering place for educators to share distance learning resources as we navigate these strange times. For these resources and more, visit participate.com slash oneducation. Tell me
1: I'm wrong. And tell me why. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn.
0: And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss district and state reopening plans for the fall, whether EduTwitter has become toxic... And our guest this week is speaker, educator, and podcaster Noah Daniel. It's
1: like dueling dueling Noahs.
0: Yes. I, ju- I just realized. <laughs> That's true. Noah Geisel. Noah Daniel. Oh. The dueling, dueling Noahs. The dueling Noahs. <laughs> <laughs> Only we think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, that's what we're here for. Like, listen, I, I I do this for me, and then we just hope other people think it's cool too. <laughs> oh my god. So, so I've been. I'm still playing a ton of Minecraft, and and I'm I'm venting a little bit. Allow me to vent. Um, okay. Uh, I I keep dying. Um, <laughs> I always thought I was really good at Minecraft. <laughs> and now I'm not so sure.
0: It's, uh, and it's a little frustrating. It started to bring some doubts, huh? As far as that gamer expertise,
1: <laughs> I'm in. I'm in my own kitchen,
0: <laughs> for sure.
1: Because now yeah. it's like I'm starting to name my worlds. I'll die eventually, you know. And then hardcore mode and click game start, and it's like, you know. So I'm. I'm just. <laughs> previewing the inevitable at this point by naming the world I'll die eventually because, uh, you know, we all know it's going to happen. So what's the point anymore?
0: (laughs) Are these uh, ones that you're streaming to, Mike?
1: So it's like I I don't (laughs) even want to stream it anymore because I want to, like, I've died on stream at least twice now. (laughs) Uh, And it's frustrating because I get into this space where I'm building something really cool and then, like, uh, and then I die. And it's like, I, and so I played this survive. I've started a survival world because at least there I am like, things aren't permanent, right? You don't lose yeah, yeah. everything. You can just respawn. But it's like, I'm trying to teach myself how to build a mob spawning bubble elevator thing that goes way oh, yeah. up into the air. And, but it's like I, I've died like ten times building the thing because I keep falling or drowning or whatever, and it's like I could never do this in hardcore. How do people build all of these stupid things in hardcore? And ah, uh, and not
0: die. Woof. Yeah, just shows anyways, you. I'm have.
1: a little demoralized, so <laughs> it's like I started playing World of Tanks because there I get to at least blow things up. Hey, and. Yeah. And World of Warcraft, because there's a game I'm actually pretty good at.
0: Yeah, you're, you're um, dominant on that one. And
1: don't look like an idiot playing it, because I clearly am looking like an idiot playing Minecraft. So, oh, that's um, I don't know. But man, oh man, is it ever frustrating. But I, I, I did um, want to um, mention, speaking of streams, I guess, a little bit, that um, coming up real soon, um, Steve and I, and hopefully you're going to join us, and a sure. couple others... Um, are going to join us on a 24-hour live stream for charity, for the Extra Life children's charity, children's hospital charity. Mm. We're going to do that. It was supposed to be this weekend, uh, the whatever day that is, the 24th, 25th of July. But we've had to postpone it because um, of another thing that I'll actually maybe plug in a second. But we're going to do it in the next couple weeks and uh, and raise some money for charity. So if you aren't following twitch.tv slash inside participate yet, you should probably go do that. Um, we, we stream, Steve Isaacs and I stream every day at 9 a.m. Um, and we cover tons of different things, Minecraft, Fortnite, game design, game based learning, a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, Glenn has been on the stream with us a couple of times it's it's always a ton of fun uh so we're going to be doing that uh this weekend glenn oh i am doing play-by-play for the first time of a minecraft esports competition live oh, wow. on sh- on a stream oh that's super fun
0: so is it who's competing kids so it's
1: a it's a NASF sponsored competition so they're yeah. they're the runners of it Um, I'm doing play-by-play. It's going to be streamed live on the Inside Participate channel. So that's, again, twitch.tv slash inside participate. I will be the play-by-play kind of host. uh, And uh, Kathy Chow Isaacs, Steve Isaacs, and Eric Leitner will be basically like color commentators slash slash people in the field slash you know whatever um, going around and watching it's a build competition so it's yeah. it's esports you know and I think it's really neat that most people associate esports with like shooting and guns and like like counter strike and overwatch and all of this stuff. Um but this is esports it's a build competition so they will be given a a building project and as a team of four players, four kids, they will um have to build something, and we will we will do commentary on it while they're doing it uh wow. that's streaming uh Saturday one till three and Sunday one till three this week so Super fun. gonna be busy gonna be crazy. I'd encourage anyone uh who's listening to mark it down on your calendar or like I said, go follow the twitch channel and then you'll get a notification as soon as it goes live um and and then you'll you'll be able to join us and uh and and check it out because I think it's gonna be great. Um hey <laughs> I love this note in the in the notes Glenn went shopping. <laughs> Congratulations Glenn on going outside.
0: I've I went outside. I just don't go to public places. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean my only place that we've that we had been going to was uh was Costco because of their mask policy, but now that other people and now a uh a, the place that we live the city that we live right next to St Cloud has uh, imposed a mask ordinance yes and so man that has made life so great i even went to Walmart and i'm going to tell you oh, right boy. now i'm not a big fan of that place and it was such a pleasant a visit to Walmart to actually go shopping and do the things that you needed to go do and buy the things that you need to purchase and been holding <laughs> out for months from purchasing mm-hmm. and then uh, going in there and it being uh, basically uh, great for all of the employees and in all of the customers too, and keeping everybody safe. And I can't wait till this just happens throughout the whole United States. I hope that all the governors really take that into consideration, take it seriously, and that if we all do this, that maybe we can get through this you know past this and and uh and and really make some headway um but man i'm telling you it was a pleasant uh shopping experience even though we were buying like you know uh gardening tools and uh <laughs> things and that will result in work being done around the house it wasn't anything fun uh but uh super happy and excited and and just g- glad to be out, you know, <laughs> even among yeah. people and keeping your six foot distance. But my goodness, uh, that makes a huge difference.
1: Does it? Does. Um, we spoke with Noah Daniel earlier. You'll you'll hear it in a few minutes about back to school plans, and about um, you know, what it's going to look like in Ontario. Uh, and the fact is, we don't totally know yet. Um, but there are a lot of school districts that are either starting like in the like there are school districts in the u.s. that are starting like any week now like in the next couple there are people that are back into the schools like to get ready already right now for sure um and and i i know that you know there are regions that are just starting to announce plans um for coming back to school right
0: yes um and and the ones that i I really like that people are obviously this is a an amazing part of social media where districts are posting their plans and then other districts can uh adapt those plans to fit their specific situations so uh there was a district. Um, that posted basically a very detailed list of what they're going to be doing. That they're going to be doing distance learnings th- through the first and second quarters, with a plan to return to the buildings in February. Which I thought that shows a lot of commitment and dedication, and saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. So let's go ahead and do th- do this and do it very well. You know, and keep our kids safe, keep our staff safe, um, and let's." And then they posted the details, like one thing after another, uh, talking about specifically how they were going to adapt distance learning, saying they were going to include instruction five days a week, live lessons to supplement pre-recorded lessons. There will be breakout sessions for your special needs students or your English language learners, um, parent support centers. I mean, there's all of these different ideas that we can all take from and go, okay, this fits with our specific situations in our districts. And I think that that's really is going to be a a key is all of us kind of learning from each other and then adapting and taking each of these little pieces of plans and then applying them at the local level of what fits for our specific situations. Um, there's obviously been in the news that California is going to go uh, a mandatory online uh, learning situation, uh, distance learning, um, and and other states are 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 in the midst of making a decision. And these decisions need to be made, like you just said, Mike, very quickly. Uh, there are states, though, that we know of that are going to go full-time, every day, face-to-face. And, I mean, there's been some big things as far as in the news. One of them was uh, Florida, I believe, uh, that the governor committed that, yes, we're going to be doing that. Um and that's so scary, especially when you don't allow localities to make those decisions. You know, a specific county where there might be just a huge outbreak at the moment, where it just doesn't make sense to do that. Uh, where a different county, maybe they're they're doing well, and and yes, it does make sense to go ahead and do that with uh, personal protection uh, equipment and so on and so forth. Um, but it, it, I I think that sharing of all of these plans and then mm-hmm. us collaborating together. We will get through this. It's just that I hate these top down decisions. You know, when someone says a blanket decision and says, we're all, especially the ones that say, we're all going to go back full time face to face, it seems right. reckless. Uh, and they, and they it, say it, it in their Zoom
1: meetings, right? They're not yeah, exactly. face to face themselves. protected
0: themselves, exactly, while they're head protect- uh <laughs> too. And so I, I think it, we're going to learn a lot in the next few weeks. Uh, several schools are going to be going back. Uh, in the next few weeks, and I, I just hope that people are okay. I mean, I hope in, that the kids and the educators and all the uh, all their other staff are going to be we're going to be able to get through this because uh, it's it's totally scary. And I know why people are having anxiety about it because it is a scary thing.
1: In March, I wrote that we're going to see what school districts know what they're doing and which school districts don't. In terms of distance slash remote learning, having plans, having contingency plans that previously existed, preparing for the worst, like leadership groups for large, you know, organizations should do. And we did. We saw um, absolute amazing um, demonstrations of distance learning and, and working from home. And we saw absolute failures at the exact same time. And you know, we're about to see which districts again um you know are are capable have capable quality leadership uh and which districts don't. Um and and you can tell it, it is so it feels to me so obvious, you know, the differences between the ones that are really thinking about this and the ones that aren't. Um, you know you know my my thinking is evolving very rapidly on a lot of this stuff and certainly as we learn as it should as you learn more as you gain more information you should be able to have the freedom to change your mind or re- reflect and and rethink things and i definitely think that no one in the united states you know virtually no one in the united states should be going back into a school building right now uh, your cases there are uh, I mean, exploding. Yeah. Yes. And it's scary. It's scary as... Like, I'd be terrified living in the United... I honestly would. I'd be terrified living in the United States. And, and I don't blame you, like you specifically. You don't go anywhere. And I don't blame <laughs> you, man. Uh, I wouldn't... I barely leave the house. And we live in an area of Ontario where there's been... there's I think there are, like, two reported cases of covid in mm. Barrie. city of 130,000 wow. people, there are two reported cases of COVID. I think right now, um, you know, and in Ontario, I think that there's a couple hundred, uh, wow. and they're and they're mostly in Toronto and in uh, a city called Windsor, actually, kind of near where Brian Aspinall lives. Yeah. Um. And and it's, and again, it's mostly specifically related to like one situation or whatever right where where there was like a touch point in in windsor it's related to migrant workers um coming up um like they do every year into ontario to to do to work on the farms um happens every year happens pretty regularly uh and and a bunch of them got covid or brought covid with them or something um and you know this this one plan that has stood out to a lot of people um and and we have it we'll link it in the show notes because it is a great example of what you're talking about right the yes. that the 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 verbal like literally like posting it out on 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 twitter for for everyone to read you know a general idea of what the plan is and i think the general consensus is that they've nailed it yes that you know, the uh, Prince George's County Public Schools uh, in Maryland, um, I don't know exactly where in Maryland, but um, they are delaying uh, any decision about returning to an actual classroom until February um and distance learning uh will continue through the first and second quarters of the school year and they they talk about you know um providing devices for all their students providing wi-fi for all their students providing meals for all their students which was like a huge concern at the start of all of this i remember tweeting about that as well and uh you know no plan is going to be perfect No, no, every plan, every idea, everything is going to have cracks. You have to go into that without that expectation that everyone is flying, you know, off the seat of their pants. Everyone, no one knows what they're doing. No, nothing has ever been experienced like this before in human history, frankly. Um, So, I mean, I'm willing to give people. A break when they come out with a plan like this and and then you know you have to make a decision on the fly but I think the thing about this plan and this this group and this obviously this leadership team is that you know the the roots the foundation of this plan is strong enough that I trust that when they come across something that they weren't expecting that they have to deal with that I trust that they're going to make the right decision when it comes to that as well And I think that's the big difference, is that there are definitely districts that are going to, you know, half-ass a plan, and then they're still going to have these things that they weren't expecting either. And they're going to have more of them because the plan is so, Mm -hmm. like, out, that, you know, they're also going to make bad decisions as a response to those situations.
0: Yeah, no, and that's exactly right, Mike. And I really do appreciate that they do this, and they do this early, and that they share it. And then you're right. That they're, they're going to be able to make adjustments as things happen. Um, and and to be able to go ahead and inform your uh, parents and your students. And and let them start making the, the the decisions that they need to go ahead and start making to make this a reality. And then also your educators. Start going ahead and, and giving them the correct professional development so that they do this successfully. So it's not just something that they throw together that they do it in a way that is going to be successful even in this kind of distance learning format.
1: I mean, I I hate to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyways because someone needs to, I think. This year, students and teachers are going to die. Like, mm. that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. That's like, what I'm afraid of. It's <laughs> I mean crazy. And, and anyone and it, so if you're willing to say, "You know, but our stores need to open," I mean you you need to take a really good look in the mirror, friend. Um, students and teachers are going to die this year mm. because of this, because of this situation, and making very, very bad choices. Um, yes, students will get COVID, yes, they will pass it on to your grandparents. It's going to happen, friends. Yeah. It's going to happen because no one in uh, very few places in the states are taking this as seriously as they should. Uh, it's going to happen. It, it was. It. It might even happen like on in the best situations, mm. um, but it is absolutely going to happen in some of these worst situations. It's going to happen, and that is so sad. Um, you know, kids. We know that kids spread this and we know that kids will spread it to other kids and kids will spread it to the teachers. You know, uh, our, our minister of education said the dumbest thing the other day. He said that, you know, if a teacher is standing six uh, at the front of the class teaching all day, they're always going to be six feet from their kids. So they shouldn't need to worry. And it's like, Mm. you know, you obviously have no idea how teaching works. If you think that it, all that a teacher does is stand in front of the class the whole day and stay six feet away from their kids, I in mean, an
0: enclosed space, Yeah. right? You got to be kidding me! No, I mean, you're I gonna have exactly kindergarten kids that.
1: licking you and hugging you, <laughs> well, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's not. Uh, none of this, none of this makes sense, and none of no. it's practical. Uh, Everyone needs to still stay home, or people are gonna die, and that's. Mm. It's really as hard to say as that, and but but the absolute truth and no no mask, no sign, no poster board uh, is gonna make uh, hashtag uh, hashtag segue. Yes. No poster board <laughs> is going to make that any different, right, Glenn?
0: No, yeah. There was a. Let's just call it a controversial topic on on edge of Twitter this past <laughs> and it, week, and
1: it, and it morphed into another controversial topic, which is great. That's all. It, that's all the great controversial topics do that.
0: It's a. It started off basically someone on Pinterest or one of those other places. TPT. I'm not sure where this actually originated at, but someone got the image of it of a back to school. Um, let's call it elementary cutesy imagery that you would post put up on a bulletin board. That's yep. that's what with it that's the what classic, reminds with the of. With the
1: classic TPT clip art and classic yes. TPT fonts. Yes. We and, know what they little are.
0: Little bitmojis of the educators. Yeah. And it says, we can't mask how excited we are to welcome you back. And there's several of these that use the word mask and the, and the little bitmoji educators have the little masks on. And the, I, I get the intent I mean, what was the intended purpose of this as far as the educators? um, And then they have little masks as the cutout parts, the ribbon as far as on the outside of the bulletin board. And I get, I understand where they were coming from. And of course, this was not well received (laughs) at all from the majority of of educators as far as just the playfulness of such a devastating and and actually like you just finished describing in this last little section as far as um not only are people going to get sick but people are going to die and people have died and people are going to continue to die and it's not like we're at the end of this uh and we've been saying that since you know april march april uh, we're not at the, uh, at, at the end of this where it seems again at the, in the United States, like we're just at the beginning and that's horrible to think about that. Uh, there's another one that says I can't mask how excited I am to, to welcome you back. And there's a different little, uh, image there too. And so anyway, there was a big backlash as far as, um, lots of people just basically saying, can we just not do these kinds of things? Please don't make mask activities, fun mask activities. Um, it it just seems so obvious, but yet <laughs> there were it people wasn't? who defended it <laughs> um, yeah, big time. That's the controversy. There was, there was at least yes. one person
1: that we consider friend a friend who defended it pretty aggressively, even yeah, and 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 uh, talked about the idea of you know doing this kind of stuff normalizes behavior that we want kids to feel comfortable being a part of, like that. They live in a world that's surrounded by conflicting voices. Like, so this is the argument for it. Okay, uh, and I'm fine making it whether I believe it or not. This is my style, I guess. Um, but I mean, the argument for it is that there are there are um, tons of voices out there that are um, very much anti-mask. Yeah. Um, we know that that's not the behavior we want our students to have because we know that most of the anti-mask cabal is um, is wrong, like fa- yeah. just like factually oh, yeah. wrong and scientifically wrong. Yes, it's it's they've politicized it and turned it into a partisan thing where like real men don't wear masks, and you know. Um, You know, I, you know, I live in America and America stands for freedom and I can do whatever the hell I want. So you have that. Right. And so all of that is the ridiculousness of the anti-mask campaign. And our students hear those voices. Our students are seeing that stuff. They're not idiots, especially, you know, even younger, younger students uh, are still seeing this stuff on the news and whatever, and certainly hearing their parents discuss it all the time. If we wanted to have our students experience a a a world where wearing a mask seemed normal seemed acceptable seemed like the proper behavior then we should be creating learning resources and ideas and and materials that support the wearing of masks Mm. that is the argument for it it's a pretty strong argument
0: yeah no and i i've seen several post here that basically says norm- normalizing the wearing of the masks it seems like a great idea It just that it just seems so cl- so close to home that this is not a fun laughing matter you know but i get the both parts of the con- what you're describing though too mike as far as we need our students to obviously wear masks if we're going to have them face to face Yes. A, you know teaching um and that in elementary school there's a way of being able to convey that message and fun cutesy is one of those ways but my goodness it just uh, yeah
1: I, I i just i get the argument because how are you gonna tell kids listen you might die if you don't wear this
0: yeah it seems like hardcore to say that Right. But, yeah, and putting weeks-
1: that on a poster with like big block fonts, like, yeah, let's use like black and white lettering and red, a big red, you know, yeah. letters and, and, you know, you will die if you don't wear a mask. I mean, that just that's not the way that you that is also not the way that you speak to kids. Sure. So, you know, if this isn't the way and that's not the way, <laughs> what's the way what's the that way? you speak to kids about normalizing mask wearing? Are you just not allowed to turn it into a poster? I mean, yeah. is that the, is that, you know, so I, I would love, please feel free to like weigh in on this, um, you know, tag us in your conversations about it. I, I I'm interested in hearing your opinion. If, if, If making a big, mean looking, scary posters that have no fun graphics and text on them that make it like kid friendly is not the way. But making like these TPT style with this font that I absolutely hate and these clip art pictures that are just so dumb looking. um, If that's not the way either, you know, what is the way, you know, and is is it that you actually just have a problem with us creating artifacts um is it only something that can be verbalized um mm-hmm. what is the actual like argument against this other than that you know people are dying yeah. and this seems to be making light of that um but where is the line where it's like from informing people kids to the gravity of the situation and how absolutely critical it is that they wear their damn mask. Like, if you're in school, like, they need to wear their masks all day, every day, all the time. And they need to know that. And Mm -hmm. so what, where is the appropriate medium in which we tell kids that without being cutesy and without scaring the crap out of them?
0: It's a really good point. I, you actually changed my mind a little bit there. So, (laughs) (laughs) so good job.
1: (laughs) I just, listen, you got to bring the strong arguments, people. I mean, just... Um, just arguing against this on the face of it is not the way to go. Like, that's not Mm. the, like, let's have an actual, like, real nuanced conversation about this because it is complicated. Um, and, you know, if it's just because it's sparking emotion, that's not a strong argument. I'm sorry. Mm. Just because you feel crappy about it doesn't, is not a good argument. You need to do better than that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in knowing you know what the actual arguments against it are, because I think that the arguments for it are pretty strong. Yes. Um I don't like it, and I would never do it. Right, yes. I would, but do I it don't. Either. I don't know. I don't know the answer um, yeah. to the question. But I'm 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 interested in in smart people giving giving our friends and our listeners some ideas on on you know what they think about all this because it's uh it's complicated. For
0: sure. For sure
1: and it's funny cuz this whole twitter thread raised up a whole other twitter thread that we're not going to like dig into deep because it's been talked about a couple times but this whole idea of being nice calling out people on social media that are are promoting bad behaviors some of the tweets in this thread got pretty mean mm-hmm. for lack of better words um, attacking the actual teachers that made it um, and uh, calling them you know bad people and like really like calling them out in, in personal ways mm. like you shouldn't be teaching if you think this is a good idea wow. and that's that's also not cool that's, that's a little <laughs> over the line in my opinion uh, especially when you're not making a strong argument you know yeah. against it other than I- I, this just doesn't feel right
0: I'm just waiting for the day, Mike, when people do that to me. I, I know it's going to happen. I know that so- at some point we're going to say something or post something or retweet something or follow somebody. I just saw that the other day. If you're following Donald Trump, it's like, are you kidding me? I know I'm lots of people that follow, follow Donald Trump. That you follow Donald Trump. And and what that doesn't mean anything. It's all of these things where we're like, if you do that, I'm really, I got an eye on, you know, it's like, re- what? You can't it's like, uh, and like I've talked about before as far as on Twitter, and I've and I posted or I created this little blog post. Just because you retweet somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean you're you are saying, Yeah, right on. Yes. Sometimes we use the retweet and the like uh uh tools as far as in Twitter. To be able to mark things for ourselves, or to be able to go and go, oh, I gotta talk about this later. You know, for us, mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. conversations uh, either here on the podcast or offline. You do this or whatever all the time. Be.
1: You tag you tag us in things all the time. Yeah, just just so we can remember to talk about them later on in exactly. the week when we do the and, podcast.
0: And it definitely doesn't mean that I agree with it. I just think that it's something that needs. That is a great discussion topic. Something mm-hmm. that we can go ahead and talk about and really uh, evaluate both sides. You know, just like we, we just did with that, uh, with that uh, big tweet storm, and it. We're definitely going down that path. I, I I'm waiting for the day <laughs> when we. Well, get it'll just, happen to me before it happens to you. When we just that's, get completely that's... blown up because of something that we either we liked, we retweeted, we said, we uh advocated for whatever it might be and it's like oh my goodness please yeah (laughs) you're ready though see you're ready.
1: tell me i'm wrong and tell (laughs) me why i mean that's all i ask like bring an actual argument instead of you know your feelings yeah um you know and i'm i'm fine i'm fine having the debates i'm still dying to have like betsy devos on the podcast and and get her to have like an actual like conversation and make her answer questions you know she wouldn't do it no one no. Would, no one like that would do it but uh but they would but, be um, amazing you know i i think that you can I, I think that the people who are using the word like shaming are taking like that's a that's a real word with real meanings mm-hmm. and i don't think anyone is shaming anyone by calling out poor behaviors and poor you know you, you know practices online um and i think we need to do like to be perfectly honest, I think we need to do more calling out of poor practices and poor behaviors online. So you know, I think the using of the word shaming is a little ridiculous, little little much. Um, but I think um, I'm a professional. I think you're a professional. I think most of our most of our listeners are also professionals. Yeah, and I think that you can do this in a professional way without being a jerk. Just don't be a jerk. Yeah.
0: I feel like that's a good don't, way to end that's that. That's actually, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the name of this episode. Don't be <laughs> a jerk.
2: <laughs> I feel
1: like it, it should really, in some cases, be that simple. We're really excited about our next guest. Coming up on the podcast is Noah Daniel? Stay with us. welcome back to the podcast everyone our guest this week is a teacher and consultant in ontario canada she's also the host of the p3 podcast welcome to on education noah daniel
2: thanks for having me here gentlemen
1: so excited to have you um for folks who may not know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Share a little bit about yourself and what brings you to us today.
2: Um, sure. I, so I'm a I'm a public school teacher. Newly, I've been there only three years, and I've spent 24 years in as an educator. I started my consulting practice a few years ago and called it the name of my project. So it's called Building Outside the Blocks. And then two and a half years ago, started what's turned into The Mentory, which is um, a supportive mentorship community for teachers. And I create projects and initiatives for teachers, schools, boards, and communities. And that's what I love to do. So it's a kind of building that you can't always see, but there's a lot of growth and development that comes from it. So that's me.
1: That's awesome. And you've spoken, you, you're definitely ramping up your speaking and, and doing a lot of sessions and stuff like that. And and you recently uh spoke at Ted at TEDx event, which is pretty awesome. How was that experience?
2: It was magical. It was supposed to be um in September and it got moved. And we were very lucky that it actually came before COVID times, but I had spent the entire summer writing this dream of mine, which was to take the TED stage. And then when we actually got to do it, and I got to talk about the P3 as a podcast, but also as a project that came from my classroom, it was a convergence of many, many wonderful dreams. And I've been speaking a lot since, and I quite enjoy it. I want to do much more of it. That's awesome. And we're
1: going to get to the P3 podcast in just a second. But I'm curious about, um, you know, so we're on summer break in Ontario. There are schools actually just about to start going back to school in the United States. But in Ontario, we don't start school again until September. Um, So we're in the middle of our summer break. But Uh, I'm curious what teaching looked like for you. We kind of asked this question to almost everyone who's been on the last little while. How was your experience through March, April, May and June? What did that look like for you? What did your what did your day look like in your classroom?
2: Um, It was there were many beautiful parts to it. It was also a struggle. I taught grade eight. So the students are in transition to high school and many of them were you know, looking for reasons not to do work. But the most beautiful part were my projects that many of my students were deeply engaged in even before the break. And so we could continue with that. And so it felt like all the community and connections we had built during the year were, were the platform from which we were able to sustain learning and even increase learning over that time. So there were some really beautiful parts, even though there were some real challenges that I continue to reflect on and hopefully will grow from.
1: And what do you what do you think it's going to look like for you in September? What do you what do you know about what's going to happen um, for you and your classroom coming back to school and coming back to teaching
2: potentially in in September? So the truth is, we don't know a lot. And the the beauty is I'm in this this chain of, of tweets that started started by Jason Lane, really is every day, tons of information about what's going on in Ontario schools, what's going on around the world, in terms of the going back to school, and we don't know. So when our minister talked about hybrid models and planning for different eventualities, I think the reality is that many of us were trying to salvage what we had gained, develop the tools, especially with ed tech to ensure um, our ability to create remote learning conditions that are, that are useful and meaningful and aren't just about getting things done, but are actually about teaching and learning. But at the same time, the unknown can be really challenging to navigate. So I'm just trying to ride it and hope for the best. But also the beauty is I have these projects that I know work in remote learning. And that to me is something that will will always ground my work. And that's why I talk about it all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my wife is a, a teacher in the, your, your school board's neighbor, the Peel District School Board, and, and you teach in the York School Board, which is just south of me, which is, um, the Simcoe School Board. So we're all really near each other, uh, quite close to each other. And a guest just the other day, uh, the other week was, uh, Jennifer Kazatoud, who teaches in the York Catholic School Board. So we're all kind of waiting to hear together what's going to be happening with our, with our kids and with our students and our teaching. Um, And, you know, we're not in, I guess we're not in the same kind of sense of urgency as, you know, places like the Dakotas and what is it, Nebraska Glenn that goes back to school in like a week and a half or something like that.
0: Yeah. There's quite a few schools that start early first couple of weeks in August, basically. Um, So, and, and some that I've heard that are starting the first week of August. So, there is definitely a sense of urgency as far as you know what is going to happen and how and how do you do this you know yeah uh, now that this is a new reality for us
1: yeah, yeah, for sure so noah we've both we're both huge fans of the p three podcast in fact, um, uh, so personal playlist podcast is what it's called, I guess p three um, we've both been guests, and it's it's actually come up. I don't know if we talk about a po- another education podcast more than we talk about yours, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It comes up a lot, um, especially when we're talking about um sharing work and sharing podcasts are 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 reflective are fun but also you know some guests come on our podcast and they say they're nervous or whatever and i i I remind people sometimes that i was nervous as hell coming on your (laughs) podcast Uh, and i told i've told you that too
2: but and that, honestly like hearing you guys talk about it I've only heard you speak once about the P3 maybe twice on your show and it it just filled my heart and soul uh, because that's the dream is that the work because it comes from my classroom is that the work is meaningful and it's something that is a critical thinking process and it involves your whole self but it's also something joyful that you, mm-hmm. you look back on and the fact that you guys can share in that experience but also had unique experiences is what makes it so exciting every week to interview a new person and share their story
1: glenn were you nervous being on the p3 podcast
2: yes uh, (laughs) that was
1: especially
0: just because it's it's not what i'm used to doing you know what i mean and you like uh the part about kind of identifying music to your journey in your life that that's a conversation on a long drive, you know, to, you know, a long road trip with your spouse or whoever your other loved ones and kind of reflecting on, on those things. And, and as I think I told no, or maybe I told you, Mike, I have no idea. I can't remember this exactly, but I was talking to my wife about this concept. And then that's got an amazing conversation kind of going as far as we talked about each other's journeys, but then just, you know, her, herself, like what songs would she actually pick? And it's a really super unique concept. And Mike and I listen to tons of podcasts, not just in the education realm, but in any realm. Um, and this is so unique. And then I feel like the guests really bring their own take on on what is important to them as far as in their lives and then they combine that with specific music and then we can all it, it, it definitely brings us all together as humans and, and I, I have a question about you know music in a little bit specifically but i think that that that's kind of one of those things and that's the reason why we probably were so nervous is we did we're like oh gosh we're we're like sharing the deep stuff now
1: <laughs> so so Noah, talk about the format just a little bit about uh about the podcast what you're asking your guests to do um and uh you know how you came up with the idea and then maybe share one or two maybe if you have some on the top of your head any moments that you're thinking of from the podcast that you that really stand out to you
2: sure there are many moments but um the the idea of the podcast, which comes from a project in my classroom, is that my guests who are all educators bring a nostalgic and identity and a pick me up song to the conversation. And their three song playlist becomes um, the place from which or the conduit through which they tell their story and they can tell any part of their story in any way that they want. And that's what's so neat is you could have two educators having the same playlist and yet the stories are completely different Mm because it's really Mm -hmm. about you. And I've been creating projects like that all of my life. I didn't know they had a name until five years ago when I randomly said, oh, they're building outside the blocks, but I don't know what they are and called them Bobs for fun. But what what's so cool about it is I remember the day that I created it. It was originally called the PS2 because it was part of a three part project I did over an entire school year with my grade seven. So um It was the PS1 originally, and not because I'm a gamer, but the PS1, PS2, and PS3 were um, a a portrait of yourself, a personal soundtrack, and then what was called photosynthesis related to photographs. So when I... Proposed this to three years ago to Stephen Hurley. I literally, as it came out of my mouth, I said, "But I would change it from being a PS2 to, you know, a, a playlist." And I think I want to call it the Personal Playlist Podcast. And I'm going to call it the P3 for fun. And these are, this is my creativity kind of just flowing. And then I create basically from whatever comes out of my mouth because it's it's like poetry. And I I don't know how it happens, but that's how it works. So I created it then, sitting in a Starbucks. Thinking about um, what that PS's were going to be. Um, and then, as I saw my students actually change the project and they started introducing it with what what music means to them and they one student added it but kind of the community aspect that you were just talking about then another student's like I really like that that person talked about what music means to them in their life so then I ended up adding it to the outline and I've evolved it a little bit and I speak I speak about this in my TED talk because in public school oh my gosh like culturally relevant pedagogy is embedded in this work it Mm. people bring so much like I think about Glenn telling his story and the Spanish songs that are in there, and that the Latin vibe and the different things he's able to tell about himself. And you know, Mike, with you and your story and the evolution of the things that you're passionate about, how ha- how you took your own angle on your songs, like that's the part that makes everything personalizing as opposed to personalized. I don't need to know everything about you. You use this platform to tell me what you want to tell me, and and that's the thing that makes it so special. So you ask me if there are stories that are memorable, but every story is memorable. And I was making the, the P3 turns three playlist on Spotify, thinking about how I did most of it from memory. I just picked a song from Mm. each person because Mm. my memory is tied to narrative and this is people's life stories and they wove them through their songs. So some people have, have really, you know, they, I've been in shared experiences where they broke down in tears or they were so deeply yeah. moved by something. And so these are there are magical experiences that happen with people. So they're all memorable in special ways.
1: Make sure we make sure we get the link, Noah, to the Spotify playlist so we mm-hmm. can put it in the show notes, because I actually loved I as soon as you posted it on Twitter, I went and listened to it. And and definitely like scrolled through it to look for my song that you you found right away, which I found right away and sent you a DM. I was I was so excited about it, and uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy listening to that playlist because it's full of really cool music.
2: Well, I mean that I actually went through a little bit of an identity crisis thinking about it. Like, how dare I curate other people's stories and they've shared their sacred time with me, and now I'm. You know, I'm making I'm only choosing one song and how can I do that? But I did it and you know what? I loved it. A lot of people have loved it. Everyone and it's thought hours it was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. But it's not just the idea like for me because people have shared these these stories with me i'm imagining each person with every song that unfolds and i'm spending you know extended periods of time with these amazing educators who are making an impact for for their students and that's what i i love celebrating and to add music to it just makes it a like a well-rounded funky <laughs> experience for all
0: it's awesome so many of the re the current reality for many of the states are already going to move to just distance learning at least to begin the school year that's uh, happening in california several other states and one of the biggest concerns when we did that this spring was were several educators you, you know through Edutwitter twitter and even locally here were concerned about just making connections and keeping mm-hmm. those connections with their students in a distance learning environment And I love this quote that you put here, and maybe it's something that educators can take and and maybe you can share some ideas about this. Noah, you have this quote that says, music is a way in and a way out for people, and it's something we can use in the classroom to help students share their stories and themselves with their classes. Is there a way for us to, you know, it, it doesn't matter what content area or what grade level you're teaching, for us to be able to use music in ways, even in this format where it seems very not personal, as you know, where where we are the distance is actually creating this barrier between educator and, and student. Yet we want to form these relationships. Is music possibly one of the answers for this, Noah?
2: I, I wholeheartedly believe that throughout COVID, I made a lot of different playlists with my students, mm. one for hope and happiness, you know, one for endurance and understanding, one for a light at the end of the tunnel, like we make nice. playlists. But I actually, on on Mike's advice, he and I had a conversation a few months ago, and he had said to me, no, you, you have a TED Talk, like, why aren't you putting that into clips that are, you know, palatable for people in small chunks that really capture some of the different ideas. And I was like, I don't know, why haven't I done that? And thinking about coming on the show, I actually got her done. And this morning posted a link to the outline for the P3, as well as, you know, almost an invitation to people in remote learning. One of the things that I learned was that my projects do a lot, but projects with music can do so much more because it adds dimension during a, a two-dimensional experience. Mm. And what's so cool about the P3, as an example, in remote learning is let's say you started your year like that and you're learning about your students and they're learning about themselves and they could choose whatever medium they wanted to share and how many people in the class they wanted to share it with. Because that's something I, I offer as a gradual release for people who are not necessarily feeling safe to present especially in remote environments so think about how edtech can be an, an amazing tool you could do a podcast you could make a video you could you could do it in lots of different kinds of of ways but You get to groove out in a shared experience where people are building community with each other, for each other, and about each other. And you as the teacher are learning about the child on their terms as opposed to on your terms. So what better way to make remote learning about connection and relationship building than through an invitation like a project like this? But what's funny about it is that when I was When I was making the podcast and choosing an intro song, I came to Sir Duke because in my mind, I was thinking music is a world within itself with the language Mm -hmm. we all understand. And then I was like, oh, my God, I know that song. And then I was playing Stevie Wonder. And what I realized was it's from the album Songs in the Key of Life. And I think that that's, that's the one line that I think teachers can walk away with is that Songs in the Key of Life is is a great avenue through which we can learn. So I have projects called History Beats, where students take a song that talks about a historical event, looks it up, does does some critical thinking as to, to what degree the song is accurate based on that information, and then is able to share the tunes and their thinking in a lot of different ways. So or I have music and lyrics, where people are looking at the poetry and the literary tools in music. So I think there's many different ways And I wonder maybe that's a blog post that I need to write many Mm -hmm. different ways that we can use music in the classroom to invite students into their learning, to share pieces of themselves, to show some of their, you know, social identities and those intersectionalities through music, because, you know, where words fail, music speaks as it has Mm -hmm. been written. So I think that music is a very powerful tool, and especially in remote learning to to add the audio aspect and the fun aspect and the whole person aspect is always an important part about education
1: so why music though like in general like what got you thinking about using music as as your it feels like as like one of your main teaching tools one of our other um, friends of the pod michael bonner uses music um, in like all of his teaching as well. And that's what he became you know known for in his appearance on Ellen and all of that stuff stemmed from using music in his class to teach. What What made you think like you could have like Glenn and I kind of chose video games. And there are people that choose art and there are people that that do a lot of different kind of um, have a lot of different entry points into their thing uh, for teaching.
2: Why music? Well, the the truth is it's not really music, even though I love music so much. And it goes back to the quote that um, Glenn, Glenn used of mine is because music is a way in and a way out for people. And my yeah. work is about bringing the whole learner into an equation. That's what I do. So music is just a fantastic medium that can feel so personal, but at the same time, Feel just fun and light and groovy. And it is awesome to learn about people through their music and to hear music in different languages in a classroom. And mm. it, it really does shake things up. And yeah, I am that teacher who people are like, can you turn down the music in your classroom? And <laughs> and I get that. And I try not to impose my my joy on people sometimes, but music is kind of fantastic. So why not? And the The music that kids bring in and, and the the things they can talk about are different than any other medium. And it's funny. I have students who have said to me, "You know, Mrs. Daniel, I'm a gamer. I'm not into music." And I'm like, "Okay, pick a Minecraft song." And all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh my god, which song am I going to pick?" And then they talk about that. And one of my students unpacked Jeopardy this year as as one of his identity songs because he is full of trivia. And like a walking encyclopedia. And he felt that the Jeopardy theme song really told a sense of his person. And so even getting kids to explore who aren't into music where music is, there's a whole media literacy component about that, how music is underlying. I mean, imagine watching an intense scene in a film and changing the music up and it changes the whole thing. So there are layers and layers of how music can be an avenue to so much in learning and, and in the person.
1: It's like some murder scene and there's like the, the chicken dance song or something. Yeah, in the but background. exactly.
2: <laughs> it's a profound understanding of of music being both like an in-your-face kind of experience and a nuanced experience in everything that we do. Oh, that's funny.
0: So Noah, for our audience, if they want to connect with you um, on social media or get on to, uh, to be able to find the podcast, where do they go?
2: So you can find everything at buildingoutsidetheblocks.com. Information about me, my Twitter handle is at Noah's Bob's, coming from the word building outside the block. So it doesn't sound like I'm Noah Bob. Um, no, I'm not Noah Bob. I'm Noah's Bob's, and building outside the blocks is also my um, Instagram handle. The, the podcast is on every podcast platform, but I use Spreaker because that's a voice ed thing that we seem to be doing a lot of. And it's great because it gives me access to pretty much everything everywhere. And I love that, you know, the people are like, where can I hear my my show about me? And I'm like everywhere. So definitely check out, start with a person that you know or somebody you want to learn more about, especially the two of you. if that's your If that's your entry point into the P3, you can see why it's such a powerful experience.
0: Noah, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Glenn, Mike, have a fantastic day.
0: Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in the Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.